It's Unleashed with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. Episode 48 for Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. Famous 48s, Pablo Sandoval, Russ Ortiz, sorry. Jacob DeGrom, Torrey Hunter, not a lot of 48s. The rest of the NFL is shaking in their boots after watching that offense on Monday Night Football from Mexico City. The 49ers are in first place in the NFC West. We'll go through the game by the numbers. Not getting this Jimmy back. He's probably leaving after the season. Aaron Judge is in San Francisco, and he's been a little cryptic about it. That could be a big deal. And does a team that is worried bench all their starters? Nope. Let's go. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. Happy Tuesday. You're a day closer to stuffing your face on Turkey Day and all the football and everything, so we are getting closer through Thursday and the holiday. Thanks for making Unleashed your first stop for Barrier Sports each weekday morning. Please listen what you're doing. Thank you. Subscribe where you get your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify, and the such. Wednesday, we'll do the first video on uh, YouTube, so check out the channel. I'll put a, a tweet out on that so you can get the link. My day job at KMBR with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa, who is in Mexico City last night. So you want to make sure you listen today from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. My day job at KMBR. Interact with me any old time at John Lund Radio on Twitter, Instagram, what you like, what you hate, questions, comments. Throughout the podcast, I'm always throwing questions out, so uh, make sure that you interact. I love to have some interaction on the show. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you very much for making the time for us. We appreciate it. Here's what we do. Uh, We generally do uh, Bay Area sports talks. We talk a lot of Giants and Warriors and Niners and everything surrounding it, but we also don't ignore the national stories as well. We like to have a ton of fun. If you listen to my show on KBR, you know that. And uh, we use a ton of sound on the uh, the podcast so that it's not my voice just going blah, 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 and you hear it, and then we react off those kind of things. We uh, start everything off with the big story, which, of course, is the 49ers on Monday night, but we'll do a bunch of different things from the three things you need to know to the 49ers by the numbers what kind of season Jimmy Garoppolo is putting together, which is amazing based on the background and everything. Uh, we'll hit, hit you up with a, a little Aaron Judge in offseason. I know a ton of Giants fans listen to the podcast, and Aaron Judge is in San Francisco. And not only will you hear the audio, but uh, I will explain to you. And again, when we have the YouTube channel, I'll play this for you. But uh, he's a little sheepish. He's a little kind of standoffish, which I think actually that's a good thing. And then in uh, one for the road, everyone panicking over the Warriors, and they had momentum after beating the Knicks and the Rockets, and then they rest everybody. And Steve Kerr explains it, and I completely understand it, and it's foreign to me a little bit because I grew up in a different kind of an era, but I understand it. They've got a performance team, and they have all these numbers and analytics and, and stuff to tell you when a guy is tired. I get it. This is an older team. But does a team panic? Uh, does a team that is panicked rest four of their five starters and only play Kevon Looney five minutes? No, they do not. So as I continue to say, if they're not panicked, you shouldn't be panicked. Let's get to all of it right now. In the leadoff spot, the 49ers dominate from Mexico. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. I love San Francisco, but if we couldn't be there, I would love to be here. This place is awesome. Um, no, it's, um, that was just one of the coolest experiences I've been a part of. I mean, it was, it was so neat last year going to playing in L.A. and seeing a whole red stadium in a stadium that wasn't yours and then coming a lot farther to Mexico City and it being just the same. Um, 
you know, we were told it might be like that, but um, it was even better than um, we expected. And everywhere I've gone to Mexico, we've been given love like that. Um, and then to feel here in Mexico City, it was so cool. Um, I, I didn't know exactly how it was going to be, but I mean, when they're booing the other team coming out and cheering for us, I mean, um, and we're this far away from home, I thought that was pretty special. And just coming in the hotel last night, our players felt it. You know, we've been in um, Colorado getting ready for this altitude and um, just focusing on that. And then we got here late last night and you really, really started to hit us how special it was. Just walking in the hotel, seeing everyone leave into the game today, seeing the people on the streets and, and then walking in that stadium. It was um, one of my favorite games to be a part of. That was Kyle Shanahan, and I'm going to play a little bit more on the atmosphere, both from Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, Fred Warner, who really uh, embraced this whole thing. And really, the, the whole team did. And if you listen to our show on KNBR 680 in San Francisco, uh, yesterday, Greg Pompa was actually at his broadcast location for the entire show, and we had a bunch of guests on giving us the insight. So we knew pretty much that the 49ers were going to dominate, and that is story number one of three. And then we'll get the, to the 49ers by the numbers, and we'll talk Jimmy Garoppolo in particular and all the weapons offensively. But first and foremost, uh, 78,000 fans at Stadium Azteca in Mexico City, mostly 49ers fans. Uh, it was a home game. Uh, you have to give it up to one of the elite franchises in the NFL because – you look at 49ers fans, and you know this as a 49ers fan, if you're listening, they travel. And no matter where they go, they dominate. And it was both teams were red, but the Arizona Cardinals and Phoenix is a different kind of a city. I have a lot of friends that cover sports there. You know, a lot, it's a transient city. A lot of people come from outside the area, so they don't have a hardcore fan base like the 49ers. When you have the amount of Lombardi trophies that the 49ers have and the amount of uh, history that they have and the players and everything, you pick up a ton of fans along the way and they're one of the Tiffany franchises in all of the NFL, so it doesn't surprise me. But just every single time, the effect of it. And then, you know, a lot of people question why the NFL is doing these kind of things. Why are they going to Germany? Did you see the Seahawks and, and Buccaneers game and how much people embraced it? I've said this before on the podcast. I've covered games in London, and I've interviewed people on the streets there. I've interviewed them in the Nike stores. I've interviewed them at the games. And, you know, it, they don't understand a lot of times the intricacies of it, but they like the party of it. And I think that Jacksonville, for one, will end up in London at some point. Uh, I don't know that they fully embrace it, but Mexico City is different. Um, while they are soccer crazy, there's no question about it, they're on the central time zone, and so they watch games. And so in talking to people down there, the Raiders, the Cowboys, the 49ers, those are really the three franchises that everybody gets behind. And you shot yesterday, and I thought it was a huge energy boost for all the guys, Jimmy Garoppolo after the game, uh, certainly they were having a bunch of fun, Fred Warner after the game. Let me play a little bit of sound for you, but I think, I'm not saying that it, 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 was a, it was a major thing, but certainly it was a home game. And this was supposed to be an Arizona Cardinals home game, and as we look at the schedule the rest of the way, you know this, now as the 49ers sit at 6-4 and four in first place in the NFC West, there's seven games remaining. Five of those seven are at home, and two are West Coast trips to Las Vegas, which I think the 49ers fans will travel to greatly as well, especially given what the Raiders' record are. So I think they'll take over that stadium. And then Seattle. So those are your two, team, two games that are left, both on the West Coast, and five are home games. It's a tremendous advantage, as we saw last night for the 49ers. Here's first Fred Warner, and then you hear from Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, it feels amazing. Shout out to all the fans here today. They were amazing all game long. Outstanding. I mean, the, the show out was incredible. Uh, they showed so much love, and I'm happy we were able to put out the performance that we did for them. You yourself are of Mexican descent. You got to run out with the flag. What was that like? Electric. Electric. Goosebumps. So special. Um, so I'm going to remember this forever. I'm going to make sure I go around and, and uh, thank everybody. But, man, it's so special to be here.
So you could tell the guys were having a bunch of fun, and and obviously with winning the game, they could be a, a little bit loose. But you could tell Fred, he was carrying out the Mexican flag. Uh, before the game, Jimmy Garoppolo having fun, a ton of energy. Now, look, a chicken to the egg kind of thing. When you're scoring points like that and the stadium's going crazy, but as Kyle Shanahan said, they were booing the Cardinals and they hit the field, and the Cardinals clearly knew, and they gave up a home game for this. So I'm sure that the, that the, the Bidwell family was very happy about this. But, look, 49ers fans travel. I think it had a, a, a big impact on the game. Was it the difference in the game? I don't know about that, but certainly – Another feather in the cap of 49ers fans. As far as the game itself is concerned, I think you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. This is the way the offense is supposed to work. Uh, I'll give you some big numbers when we do 49ers by the numbers in about, I don't know, five minutes. But touches-wise, and everybody, the, uh, the big discussion point before this game was, there's too many mouths to feed. There's too many mouths to feed, and guys are going to get upset. Well, if you're winning first and foremost... That is the great elixir, as you well know. But Christian McCaffrey, 14 touches, 106 yards. I'll get back to him in just a second. Put a pin in that. Debo Samuel, 10 for 94 and a touchdown. His 39-yard touchdown run is a career long for a touchdown run. George Kittle, and I've been calling for this for weeks, he's not getting bracketed anymore. He's as open as he's ever been if you look at the All-22. He only had one catch for 21 yards last week against the Chargers. That's criminal with all these weapons, he had four for 84 and two touchdowns. And you saw in the touchdowns, this is the run after the catch. Jimmy climbing the pocket on the first one where he looked like he could have run for the first down, kept his eyes down the field, and hit Kittle was a great play. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, and this is – let me go back to Christian McCaffrey. So Ayuk had two catches for 20 yards. But on the first one where – go back and watch the first one. Fakes the outside, cuts the inside. Jimmy hits him between two defenders. It was just a great play. But again, Christian McCaffrey going out to the right. So even though McCaffrey had – 14 touches, and I'd like to see 20. But the way that the gravitational pull works where Christian McCaffrey goes one way and two or three players go with him, and they don't even realize they're doing it. They just kind of drift that way. And that was on the front side on the right. The back side, Brandon A.U. gets open for the touchdown. Not directly to Christian McCaffrey. There's no such thing as an assist in the NFL. But if you go back and you watch it where McCaffrey goes, eyes go, guys just tend to drift that way, and it opens up pockets to throw to Kittle. It's happened. It happened in this game. It happened a couple of times uh, previous to the to the Chargers game. You saw the touchdown and caught in the back of the end zone. Uh, it was because, against the Rams because it was a defender, Taylor Rapp, who had moved up too far. Looking at McCaffrey, it just constantly happens, and everybody else is a benefactor to what Christian McCaffrey does in moving players all over the field. So Ayuk, only two catches, but both for touchdowns. And then it was interesting, Elijah Mitchell last week, who had 18 carries, only had one in the first half, ended nine for 59, and that's 6.6 a carry. And he becomes an afterthought. Now, maybe next week against New Orleans, these numbers are completely flipped, but that's what's going on now with the league and why they've got to be terrorized as they looked at this thing, as McCaffrey gets 14, Debo gets 10, Kittle gets 4, Ayuk 2, and Mitchell 9. Next week, this could be completely flipped because last week Mitchell had 18 because he was running north-south against the Chargers, and that's what was effective. And Kyle's not going to play favorites. Kyle is going to look at this thing as if these players were faceless and nameless and say, Who's ever, whatever's working, that's going to be fine. They came out, and I'm going to get to this and buy the numbers in just a second, but let me just give you one teaser number. First half play selection, the 49ers had seven runs and 21 passes. Then in the second half, 21 runs and eight passes. And it, Kyle must have come out and said something because I was looking at this game before the game. I was looking at this before the game thinking to myself, okay, they're in high altitude, and there was so much made of the altitude. I thought the 49ers were just going to run it right at the Cardinals. They're going to tire them out. It's an older defense with guys like J.J. Watt 
up front, and they're going to tire these guys out. And by the fourth quarter, they're, you know, they're, they're going to be gassed, and that's going to be the deal. They came out. They saw something, obviously, in looking at the film where they could throw the football, and they did, and they absolutely took advantage of the Cardinals. Jimmy, mostly accurate, 20-29, four touchdowns, a 131.9 rating. I'll get more into Jimmy and the way that he does it when he doesn't throw an interception and by the numbers. He had a couple of high throws, but for the most part, he was right on the money, and uh, they're going to beat anybody in the NFL with this offense. So it'll be one more number since they got Christian McCaffrey uh, before 20.3 points per game, 340 yards a game, and 41% on third down after Christian McCaffrey jumped that 20 points to 28.5, which would be near the league lead. The numbers go up from a yardage standpoint from 340 to 396, and third downs astronomical. They go from 41% to 55%. So that's the Christian McCaffrey effect. And again, as I told you, he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands to be absolutely devastating. Defensively, this is important. The last three games, they've shut out the opponent and outscored the opponent 54-0. to After that second drive field goal for Arizona, punt interception, they got a touchdown, then the half ended. Downs, punt, downs, punt, interception. So nine possessions, one touchdown. After the touchdown, they had six possessions and no points. The defensive line is back to dominating, and the good news is, Eric Armstead was running before the game in Mexico City and should be back for the New Orleans games. Don't ask on Javon Kinlay. I don't think he's coming back this year. But the dominance of the defensive line is returning. Three sacks, nine tackles for loss, eight quarterback hits, and six pass defensed. Uh, They knew what Colt McCoy was going to do after he went 22 of 26 against them last year. A lot of screen passes. James Conner runs hard. He absolutely embarrassed the 49ers at Levi Stadium. They were in on the tackling. They were exact, They were absolutely focused, and they dominated the offensive line of the Arizona Cardinals, and they are getting healthier. This is as healthy as they've been uh, all season long, and Eric Armstead, as I said, might be back next week, probably will be back next week against New Orleans. So those are three things you need to know. The defense shutting out the opponent in the last three games to the tune of 54 to zip. Offensively, uh, this is going to scare the rest of the league, and the uh, – and the atmosphere in Mexico was absolutely great. Those are the big three things that you need to know. And now the 49ers by the numbers. Get your pens, get your paper, uh, get your phone, uh, impress your friends. You're not going to be working today anyway, so here's the deal. Uh, By the numbers, Kyle is a winner now. Uh, Officially, he can call himself a winner. He's 49 and 48 in his career, the first time he's been over 500 as the 49ers head coach. The 49ers are now 4-0 against the NFC West this season. That's why they're number one, despite the fact that they're tied with the Seahawks at 6-4. They beat the Seahawks, also a better division record. The closest game in the NFC West this year for the 49ers, 24-9 over the Rams in Week 4, and they dominated that. They are the sixth team since the 70 NFL-AFL merger to win each of their four division games by at least 15 points, and the first since the 2007 Patriots. By the way, I want to give credit where credit is due. Chris Babcock, our stats guy for uh, Papa and Tim Ryan in the booth, giving me these numbers. Uh, this is what's big with Jimmy, and I'm going to get into Jimmy in just a second here. The 49ers 6-0 when Jimmy doesn't throw a pick this year. 15-2 career under Kyle when he doesn't throw a pick, and 14-0 in his last 14 when he doesn't throw a pick. That's impressive. Uh, after going three and out on the first two drives for the 49ers offense, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, punt, Touchdown, touchdown, punt, end of game. So they scored on six of seven possessions and five of the seven possessions after the two three and outs 
or touchdowns. Uh, as far as the money downs were concerned, six of 11 on third down. They missed those first two, so they're six of their last nine and two for two in the red zone. We've been talking all week long about some red zone issues. They look like they've figured that out. And let's not just talk about the skill position players. Give the offensive line some credit as well. They were only pressured on five of 29 dropbacks. That's 17%. That's the lowest rate of the season. Nick Wagner of ESPN had that stat. Five of 29 pressured on. That's only 17%, the lowest rate of the season. So that young offensive line that I certainly had some qualms about uh, at the beginning of the season, the interior of that offensive line specifically, um, they look like they're coming together. And that whole thing about Trent Williams, and I played this on the podcast yesterday, about tipping plays, yeah, I think it's fine. Uh, in regards to uh, Monday Night Football history, again, Chris Babcock threw me this one. 52 wins now all-time on Monday Night Football. The Steelers are at 51 for all-time, and the Steelers play the Colts on Monday Night Football next week, so they could tie. And then let's get into a conversation about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo first. Here's Jimmy after the game. Sky's making plays today. Uh, all the receivers stepped up. O-line played great. It was a clean pocket all night, and when it's like that, it makes for a fun night, and it was an electric atmosphere tonight, so we were feeding off that. Uh, Jimmy is now fifth in the NFL in quarterback rating at 104.1. Jimmy's 15-4 to 4 ratio of touchdown to interception project, projects out to 26-7. and 7. Uh, Jimmy threw a career-high 27 touchdowns in 2019, so he could threaten that. And the fewest interceptions he's thrown as a full-season starter is 12. And again, he's only thrown four, and the projection is seven. So uh, it's even more amazing, and you got to give him more credit. I was down at training camp. Jimmy didn't throw. I'm just reiterating this, and you probably know all of this. But Jimmy didn't throw in training camp. It took him a little while to get going. There's no question about it. Uh, He didn't have a playbook. He was waiting to get traded. Mentally, he was gone. So to do all these things and to not complain and to come back and to make the decision that he did, and look, he's making a bunch of money now because his contract is uh, heavily incentivized as far as touchdowns, wins, playing a percentage of plays, and he's going to get all those kind of things. The interesting thing is I'm watching Jimmy do all this is that they cannot franchise him in the offseason. We don't know what Trey Lance is. There's going to be a ton of speculation in the offseason. Tom Brady's contract is up. Aaron Rodgers probably wants out of Green Bay, although I did look at his contract the other day, and I'm not kidding when I say this. Uh, His dead cap next year is $99 million, so he's not coming here uh, to the Bay Area, and I don't think there's any adjustments they can make to that because he just got a big deal in the offseason. But the point is, is that if Jimmy Garoppolo plays this way, well, let me back up for a second. Uh, a team like the Colts, who was interested in Jimmy Garoppolo, we had confirmation of that on our show on KBR, and chose Matt Ryan. Or Robert Sala in New York, going with Zach Wilson, who's a complete disaster uh, for the Jets. And they are set defensively in a lot of other ways. They have a lot of offensive weapons if they had Jimmy Garoppolo. Or the New York Giants, who sit at 7-3 and three with Daniel Jones. So right now, there's a lot of teams who regret not going after Jimmy Garoppolo. All the doctors said that he would bounce back from this injury uh, the way that he has. And then in the offseason, because he signed the contract that he did, the 49ers can't franchise tag Jimmy Garoppolo. And at first thought, you're thinking to yourself, well, I wouldn't have wanted Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, what about now? The Jimmy Garoppolo that is accurate, the Jimmy Garoppolo that is pretty much perfect and egoless for this, who just gets the ball to the open receiver and is accurate. Now, look, in a big game, Uh, The Cardinals aren't very good in a big playoff game. He hasn't shown the ability to be able to make the comeback. He's handed the ball off a lot in 2019. He gets criticized for those kind of things. There are things for Jimmy Garoppolo to absolutely positively prove, but just going on the guy that is playing right now 
I gave you the touchdown interception ratio. I gave you the quarterback rating. Maybe you don't believe in any of those kind of things, but just watch the game. The guy's playing the best football of his career. Uh, it's going to be interesting in the offseason if the 49ers make an attempt to sign him, and then what do they do with Trey Lance? Because there was a reason why they got rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, wanted to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. One was the maddening interceptions, mainly to a linebacker who's standing there in the buzz position where you're going, where, where's Jimmy throwing the ball? That's what he would do. He would consistently do that. And then the injuries, not being able to stay healthy. When he's healthy, we know the record is huge. Uh, we know that when, when uh, Jimmy doesn't play, Kyle, his record is far below 500. So in the offseason, do they sign Jimmy Garoppolo? Do they trade Trey Lance? Uh, do they go after Brady if they can't get Jimmy? Does Jimmy even want to stay? If I'm Jimmy Garoppolo and I look the way he looks, uh, New York with Robert Solomon, the Jets, New York with the Giants, going there, being a part-time model, being a quarterback. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's in Jimmy Garoppolo's head. He's a Midwest guy. He loves the organization, obviously. He loves the players around him. The players love him. So maybe they just sign Jimmy Garoppolo again, and this becomes one of the most improbable situations that uh, unfolded maybe in the history of the league where a guy was on a side field, literally not with a playbook, just getting his work in, going home, off the team, said goodbye, Team said goodbye, explained to them what the situation was. Everyone was cool. And I can guarantee you, 99 out of 100 players say, I'm not coming back. It's just, it's an ego thing. They sat down, they looked at the situation with the 49ers, an unproven quarterback who the way that he played, thought he might get hurt. And and, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Don Yee and his representatives signed this deal, incentive-laden, and now the way he's playing right now, leading this group. And look, He's one of the most fortunate guys ever. You get Christian McCaffrey, and you start getting these guys healthy and the way the offensive line's playing, and you can dink and dunk the ball over the place with one of the most creative offensive minds maybe that the league's ever seen, and, and you're, you're the pilot of that plane. I get that. So maybe you don't want to give Jimmy Garoppolo all of the credit, but he deserves some of the credit, and he's going to have a really interesting offseason, as are the 49ers. I wouldn't be completely shocked if they're already talking about Jim, jockeying to Jimmy Garoppolo about staying around. Give me your thoughts at John Lund Radio. That's it. 49ers win it 38-10. to 10. Aaron Judge next. Aaron Judge in San Francisco. What are you doing in the city? <laughs> uh, just visiting some family and friends. That's about it. That's about it. Oh, yeah? Any fun plans? We got something. Have a good one. You too. All right. That is, as a reporter, this was off John Morosi's feed. Good friend of the show. Comes on all the time from MLB Network. And that was someone asking a very sheepish uh, Aaron Judge what he was doing in San Francisco. She caught up with him at SFO. Now, the report is is that the Giants are planning to sit down with Aaron Judge today on Tuesday. And he was being a little weird and quirky and everything. And he was probably surprised that he got caught and it shows you what a nice guy Aaron Judge is, uh, that he would even stop for a second. Many people would just would just keep on going. But uh, there is Aaron Judge. Now, uh, clearly the Giants have interest in Aaron Judge. We've talked about the pursuit of Aaron Judge. But let's just use logic here for a second. You're Aaron Judge. Uh, you're coming from the Yankees. They're going to spare no expense to put a winning team uh, around you. Uh, money is probably going to be fairly similar. New York and California are highly taxed states. Uh, the Dodgers are apparently involved in this now. The Giants are involved, and the Yankees are involved. I've speculated for a long time that given the home down discount, and I've kind of done the comp of Barry Bonds, 
where the Giants are, too old in one place, too young in the other. They don't have a superstar gate turner. They don't have a guy to attract fans, and they don't just have a guy in the middle of the order that they need. Having said that, we've heard from Aaron Judge, not directly, but through people who know him, who say he doesn't want to be Mike Trout. In other words, he doesn't want to be the only guy. Wait, great, you got Aaron Judge, and he's turning turnstiles, and everyone's really excited, and we talk all about it. Meanwhile, he's in the middle of the order, and he's getting pitched around, and when he goes to New York, he's got Anthony Rizzo, and he's got Giancarlo Stanton, and he's got a number of bats around him, and the Yankees have already proven with a few tweaks that they can probably get to a World Series. Uh, The biggest selling point for the Giants is, hey, it's home. Okay, that's great. What else you got? Oh, we got a bunch of money. So does everybody else, and you got to pay me higher because of California state taxes. What else you got? You've got to be able to show Aaron Judge who else you are going to get. Are you going to get Carlos Correa? Uh, Are you going to get somebody uh, of that ilk to get around uh, Aaron Judge? Because if it's just going to be him, you're not going to get Aaron Judge. Anthony Rizzo was a guy that John Morosi, who uh, put this tweet out of Aaron Judge at SFO, uh, John Morosi suggested it would be Anthony Rizzo because they're so close. Well, Anthony Rizzo's back with the Yankees, so who else? Like I said, is it going to be Carlos Correa? Uh, Cody Bellinger is a guy whose name, Susan Slusser, our good friend who joins the show every Monday during the baseball season. Uh, Susan Slusser is, uh, is reporting that they have interest in Cody Bellinger. Why wouldn't they be? Or why wouldn't they? So Aaron Judge and Wright, and maybe you don't like Bellinger, but he's only 27 years old. He was MVP in 2019. I realize the last three years have not gone well, and that's putting it lightly. But if they could get him back on track to a certain extent, he's an elite defensive center fielder. And all of a sudden, an outfield, which has been a problem for a long time, as Aaron Judge and Wright, Cody Bellinger and center, I don't think Bellinger is going to be enough for Aaron Judge. He's going to say, what else you got? Uh, is Carlos Correa enough? I keep bringing back Correa's name just because the new general manager of the Giants comes from Houston. So I, when you look at trades or signings, it's a lot of times you just got to follow the dots and they will lead you to something. So that's why I keep bringing up his name. Uh, is it going to be Brandon Nimmo? Is he going to be a guy who uh, Jim Bowden joined us a couple of weeks ago, said he was a left fielder, but he's going to cost you $100 million. Exactly how much money will the Giants spend? I don't know the answers to all those things. And, oh, by the way, Carlos Rodon's leaving, so you need a 1B started to Logan Webb's 1A. That's a lot. That's a lot to convince Aaron Judge that you're going to do if you can do it. Just by the very look of him, you know, being in San Francisco, kind of having that smile on his face. Like, I don't know. It told me something. And I've gone from you got to get Judge, you got to get Judge, you got to get Judge. It's a failure without Judge to then coming to the realization here lately that they're not going to get Judge. And then if they get a lot of B-level players who are solid players, then I think they'll be okay. But now Aaron Judge comes to town. He has that smirk on his face, and now I'm, I'm reeled back in thinking that the Giants could get Aaron Judge. So I don't know what to think, but it is something, and Aaron Judge is meeting with the Giants on Tuesday. It's time for One for the Road. Yeah, it's uh, it's the, the schedule has not been kind, uh, you know, to um, you know to, to us and to the city of New Orleans, and t- in terms of us having two back-to-backs in the midst of really um, brutal scheduling, and us having guys who are banged up and older and have you know played a decade or more of you know playoff basketball, and um, but we feel it is imperative and our performance team feels it's imperative to try to get ahead of 
the nicks and, and bumps that these guys have. Um, I think we're in the midst of uh, something like 12 of our next 16 are, are on the road, or in, in the midst of a 12 out of 16 road uh, schedule. Um, a lot of games, we don't have any time off. We get home tomorrow and play the next night. And it's one of those things, you know, last year, Draymond missed half the year uh, with a back injury. And, um, you know, you get into a situation where you start chasing your tail a little bit and you don't listen to the performance team and all of a sudden guys are out for, um, you know, a long period of time. We just we can't risk that. And I do feel terrible for um, fans here. Um, but as I said, unfortunately, that's the way the schedule uh, laid out. And um, it's, it's too bad. That's Steve Curran. I'm not going to get into the conversation because you sound like the old guy screaming, get off my lawn, but they did used to play 82 and they used to play 40 minutes and that's how I grew up watching guys like Jordan and that's what it's supposed to be. It's it's supposed to be 82 games. You're supposed to play your stars 40 minutes. Um, it's interesting and this goes to baseball as well. A guy's not throwing more innings and the analytics guy's telling you when a guy is tired and all these different things. Steph Curry doesn't look tired when he had 33 points and 15 assists and six rebounds, and Clay didn't look tired when he had 41 points the other night, but maybe that's the whole point of it is they do set these guys on back-to-backs, and there's 11 more back-to-backs this season, so are they going to set everybody down for back-to-back? So that's part of it, and I'm sorry. I told you I wouldn't go off on that, and then I just did. But the point of me saying all these things and getting blown out in New Orleans, and Steve talks about it because that's the second time they've rested everybody, Von Looney played five minutes, but the other four starters didn't play in a 128-83 to blowout loss. But as we try to, on one side, say that we should panic over the Warriors' start, and they were 8-9, and nine, now they're 8-10, and 10, and everyone panicking, oh, no, they're not going to make the playoffs, and they're not going to make the finals, or they're vastly overrated. Well, if the Warriors aren't panicked, then you shouldn't be panicked because they believe by sitting these guys clearly that they can flip a switch anytime that they want to. How do I know that? Because Steve Kerr is talking about the long term in that cut. He's talking about in without saying it, hey, we've got 82 games, plus we got to win 16 in the postseason. We're looking at the long term. The young teams in this league don't have to worry about that because they're not going to the playoffs. The Houston Rockets aren't going to the playoffs. Uh, teams near the bottom aren't going to the playoffs. So they don't have to think the long term. And they're not an older team. So I get why they're doing it. The performance staff is not wrong. They're right. But there's a level of frustration in baseball and basketball specifically that, you know, these guys are tired and they can't play. In the NFL, there's only 17 of these things. And you can't rest a guy because every game is incredibly important. Now, at the end of the season, if you've got everything locked up, then you could have the luxury of doing that. But there's only 17. It tells you that in baseball, there's 162 and there's too many. And it tells you in NBA that there's 82 and that's too many. But because of the finances and the business side of the sport, they're never going to change it. They're never going to elongate it more. It's as long as it possibly could be. The the season starts in the middle of October and doesn't end until June. So they're not going to make it any longer than it was or is. And all the old school guys who played back in the day, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, Milt Chamberlain never left the court, played 82 games, and then you went into the playoffs. And that was kind of part of the deal, right? Who could... Who could win these championships while playing in all these games? And now it's about wearing monitors, and we'll tell you when you're tired and everything else. But the point is, I guess, and I should say it again, is not so much get off my lawn as it is the Warriors aren't worried, neither should you, because they've got 11 more of these back-to-backs. Are they going to sit everybody for those games as well? They're playing the long-term game because they know they'll be in the playoffs, they know they'll be fine, they know they can flip a switch, and there is no need to panic. Just saying. By the way, James Wiseman, day two. I'll be the bad guy. He got 23 minutes with the Santa Cruz Warriors. Um, 
last night. The Sea Dubs beat Salt the Salt Lake City Stars one twenty to one hundred four in Salt Lake City, and James Wiseman scored fifteen points, eleven boards, two blocks in twenty three minutes. Seven of ten from the field, made a three, five turnovers, three fouls, and uh, I'm not a huge fan of this in basketball. It works in hockey and basketball not as much. He was minus seven, and everybody always complains about that. I'll say this: he could have gotten fifteen, eleven, and two blocks in twenty three minutes. In the NBA, Patrick Baldwin Jr. came up. James Wiseman did not. I get it. You're going to try to get him as many minutes as you can. But if you're going to rest everybody in New Orleans, why not play James Wiseman those 23 minutes in the NBA? I still think that they erred in bringing him down to Santa Cruz. He could be playing 22 minutes. He played 23 and 20 or 25 and 23 in his first two games in Santa Cruz. They're hoping for that big Jordan Poole bump. He's been okay in the first two games. The numbers have been really good. The things he needs to work on, defense, closing out, passing, those kind of things, not turning the ball over, uh, not going for the pump fakes, all those things, and getting silly fouls. He's still doing that at Santa Cruz. He's always, well, and for the foreseeable future, he's going to do that because he needs to get more time. He's a better backup five than Jermichael Green right now, and he could be getting 20 minutes at the NBA level. He's getting 20, 23, 25 minutes in Santa Cruz. I don't love it, but that's the way that it is, and the Warriors are a lot smarter than me. And there you go. Getting blown out, not being worried in James Wiseman game two in Santa Cruz. That is one and actually two for the road. And that is Unleashed, episode 48 for Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. Thanks for making Unleashed your first stop for Bay Area Sports Talk. Please listen, which you're doing. Subscribe, your favorite podcast places like Apple and Spotify. We'll get on uh, YouTube tomorrow. That's the goal. My day job, KBR, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. weekdays with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa. That is today. Interact with me anytime at John Lund Radio on Twitter, Instagram, any of those places. Thoughts, complaints, questions answered. There you go. Episode 48, John Lund Unleashed on the Locked On Podcast Network.